0: Hey, listen, man, if you're a first-time guest, we just want to say welcome to Faith Church. For all of you, our Faith family, thanks for being here today as we start this brand new series entitled God at the Box Office. Now, if you are new to church or maybe you've been here a long time, you might think, how in the world is God at the box office? In fact, some of you were raised in a generation where if you went to the box office, you couldn't be the member of a church. Anybody here raised in that kind of church generation? Yeah. Yeah. And so you might say, how can God get, be at the, at the box office? And, and that's a great question. We're going to go through that through this series. But I'm going to tell you that I had to be very uh, cautious about using movie clips because a couple of years ago, I decided I'm going to use a movie clip for a, a message I was preaching, thought it was like this great idea. And so I had seen this movie. In fact, I'll just tell you what it was. It was, um, it was, uh, uh, the Christmas, uh, not Christmas story, but um, National Lampoon's Christmas. How many people seen that 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 movie? How many people seen it a lot? Like I've seen that movie over and over, and I remember this clip. Remember where uh, where he gets locked in the attic? I've seen that clip so many. I'm like, that's a great clip for this movie. I'm gonna play that clip. Well, I had not seen the clip in a while? But I thought I knew it, so I just burned this clip, played it, and it's playing. and about ten seconds, in they cuss. And then the no, y'all are saying we're in church. It's on the big screen, and she drops the D-bomb. And then about 10 seconds later, he cusses again. I'm like, oh, Jesus, just rapture me now. This is going... B- this ho- I got a whole nother message now. So I'm, I'm kind of careful and cautious with the movie clips that we play. But here's the thing is, I don't know about you guys, but I do. I love going to a great movie. Love action flip, uh, flicks. Come on, men in the house. Anybody here like watching stuff explode and people get knocked out? <laughs> Nothing like it. Now, I know some of you guys get suckered into taking your wives to a love story. No, Mm-mm. chick flicks are out. I'll go to a kid's movie before I go to a chick flick. But I like them because here's why. There's really so much good stuff in movies. I'm the guy in the movie theater making the most noise. You ever thought, like, who's that obnoxious guy? It's me. I laugh the loudest. I cl- when it's over, I'm the guy like, "Woo! play it back. Play it back. Like, I paid $15. You better play it back. <laughs> Do something. But there's a lot of great lines in movies. And I'm the guy, like, I'm in church when I'm in the theater. When I hear something good, I'm like, "Mmm, come on. That'll pre." Go ahead. you on the boulevard. Like, here's one. Has anybody ever seen the movie The Guardian? The Guardian has Kevin Costner, Ashton Kutcher. It's a great... If you've not seen it, you need to see this movie, right? So Kevin Costner, he is a... Um, He's he's for the Coast Guard. He's a rescue swimmer. He's kind of this legend, and then he's bringing up Ashton Kutcher. He's kind of this rookie uh, swimmer, rescue swimmer, and the legend is that, that, that Kevin Costner's character has rescued like hundreds of people, and like all the way through the movie, you're like trying to figure out like how many rescues has he has, has he had, and all the way at the end, Ashton Kutcher's character asks Kevin Costner, he's like, so so what's your number? Like, what, like, you're supposed to be this legend, like, what's your number saying? Like, how many of you rescued? And he says, 22. And, and asking because like, 22, I mean, that's, that's pretty good, but it's not like 200. And Kevin Costner says, no, 22 is the number of people I've lost. That's the only number that matters. I'm like, Phew. come on, somebody. The, the Godfather, right? Anybody here watch any of the Godfather movies? You can't admit that in church. Repent in the name of Jesus. Right here. Great men are not born. They grow gray. I'm about to take an offering right there. Here's here's another one. These are my favorite movies. Gladiator. What we do in life echoes in eternity. I know I don't sound like him, but in my head I sound just like him. Like if I had a sword, I would hold it up right here. Here's here's another sword movie. This is a good one. Braveheart. come on, men. We just need to do a men's ministry. Just call it Braveheart. We don't have to do anything. We just call each other Braveheart. That's all you got to do. Every man dies, but not every man really lives you felt that didn't you lord of the rings one of my all-time favorite series right here right here right aragorn right they're getting ready to go into battle a day may come when the courage of men fails but it is not this day see some of you gonna watch movies in a whole different light now right here here's one this is one of my favorite movies right the pursuit of Happiness dad and and sons having this conversation he says don't ever let someone tell you you can't do something not even me all right you dream you got to protect it people can't do something themselves they want to tell you you can't do it if you want something go get it period let's pray and go home like right like i just went like through several blockbusters some of you like feeling the holy spirit and you're like i didn't know i just never knew And here's why is because there are things that God is doing and has been doing. And God interlaces his character and God interlaces his truth in everything. The Bible makes clear, man, that even the trees wave their branches at the glory of God. You can see God everywhere you look if you're paying attention. And they don't even mean to do it. People who are in Hollywood who don't know Christ, don't serve Christ, they unintentionally preach the gospel and preach biblical truths. And there are several movies that we're going to go over for, through this series, and we're just going to kind of pull out some kingdom principles and how they apply to us today. And one of those today is this movie, Civil War. How many people have seen? Like, I'm all about, I love this, this kind of the last about five years. Not the original Spider-Mans. Those, those were lame. But like this, how many people here like are, are Avenger fans, Iron Man fans, Cap? Come on, get it on for them. I'm all about them. Thor. In my mind, I looked like Thor until I was at the beach and took my shirt off, and I'm like, okay, maybe not. But in my mind, right? I mean, these guys are just incredible. Civil War, if you've not seen the movie, here, here's the premise of the movie, and, it, and it's really kind of cool. So there are all these superheroes. they are all these good guys. They're all on one team together. And because of their battles, because of their fights, the world government basically makes a decision that they want to control And limit the freedom of these superhero fighters of when they can engage, where they can go. And all of a sudden, there's a schism between the Avengers. Some people are on one side and some are on another side. There's Captain America's team and there's Iron Man's team. And all of a sudden, like, they're divided about, like, should they be governed? Should they not? Should they have their freedoms limited? Should they not? And here's the crazy thing about the whole movie is you have these group of superheroes that should be fighting evil in the world, and instead of fighting evil, the whole movie is about them fighting themselves. And like, listen, you don't, have to, you don't even have to be at church very long to recognize that there's a lot of times that what we're called to do as the church is we get so busy fighting each other that we're not really busy doing what we should be doing, and that's making an impact and an influence in the world that we live. And so all of a sudden, you know, right, when you, when you watch this movie, it's so clear. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he talks very specifically about this problem of division and disunity in the church, about us fighting each other. If you're not familiar with the New Testament, if you're not familiar with the Bible, the Apostle Paul, he's a guy that had a radical encounter with Jesus, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Most of the New Testament is what's called epistles. Everybody say epistles. The Bible is not a book. The Bible is a book of books. It's a collection of books. It's a collection, New Testament, a collection of biographies of the life of Jesus and letters called epistles. There's one epistle, one letter that the Apostle Paul, most of them he wrote to areas or regions or cities and churches that were located there. And so, for example, this book, 1 Corinthians, if you look in your Bible at the very beginning, it'll say the epistle to the corinthian church first corinthians it's the first letter that paul wrote to the church in the city of corinth and right out of the gate here's the reason for the epistles here's the reason he wrote these letters it's like hey guys listen i know i know you love jesus and i want you to know jesus loves you but he would address like issues in the church he would address things that they would need to change and things that were an issue things that they needed to pay attention on and he would address these things and, and right out of the gate in first corinthians he addresses this issue of people choosing preferences over priorities, people picking sides. He chooses and he attacks right in the beginning this issue of division and disunity in the church. And here's what he says, check this out. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, watch this. He says, now I plead with you. Come on, read this with me. He says, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no division among you. But that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household. That was like a little, like a local church leader. Says, I've I've heard from the little local church, watch this, that there are, read it, contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I'm of Paul, or I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Cephas, or I'm of Christ. Is Christ divided? Come on, y'all read this. Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? He kind of jumps in and here's if you've not picked it up, he's talking about, again, he's talking about, he's talking about beefs between believers. He's talking about contention in the church. he's He's talking about all these struggles inside of God's church. And he's saying, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. He says, I want you to know right out of the gate that, like, this, it just shouldn't be. Like, it just shouldn't be this way, but for some reason it is. And really, his issue, what he's trying to point to, is that people are picking sides, people are taking personal preferences and elevating those preferences above the priority of what should be us as a church, our priority of God's people our priority of what God's called us to do and how he's called us to live, that people are elevating and man, people are picking sides, people are divided, people are fighting and because of beasts between believers, because of division inside of God's house, Paul has to write this letter and right out of the gate, he says, man, I plead with you. He's like saying, this is like a big deal that needs attention and people, here's what he says, notice this, he says, go back to verse 12, watch this and this is specifically what he's addressing. He says, now I say That each of you says, I'm of Paul, or I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Cephas, or I'm of Christ. These were church leaders. He's saying, like, everybody's picking, saying, like, I'm of the Methodist church. I'm of the church of Christ. I'm of the Episcopalian church. I'm a Catholic. Everybody was picking sides. Everybody was name dropping. Anybody here know some name droppers? Like, where we pick labels and we elevate, like, our personal preferences, like, right now, we live in a time where people don't have sandals. They got Birkenstocks. <laughs> so my Birkenstocks. Right? People don't have sunglasses. They got Ray-Bans. These are my Ray-Bans. And it's funny because people, like, are in the middle of this thing, and people are all about, like, naming kind of their little sect, their little preference. Like, that's how I want it. That's how I like it. We had a debate. Anybody here Yeti fans? Like, the Yeti bandwagon where you're a sucker and you pay $50 to keep your... Like, just drinking, you don't got to worry about it staying cold. For real? If you need a drink to stay cool for 55 hours, you don't need a drink. You're not that thirsty. But everybody's got on the bandwagon. Everybody's buying Yeti. Everybody, listen, I ain't bought a Yeti. I got a glass cup, got a whole box of 12 for like $1.99 at Walmart. Get ice cubes, are free. My, my refrigerator pumps them out as fast as I can put them in the glass. But we're having, in my, I, I won't name which one of my children, but I have one child who's kind of label oriented, kind of likes labeled stuff, name brand stuff. And so we're having the conversation between the Yeti. Have you heard the conversation? The Yeti, the Orca, and the Ozark. Y'all are obviously trending with what's going on in our world. So like the Yeti is like this, it's like the original label name brand. It's the one you want to have. Like I, I don't even have a, you don't have a cub, you got a Yeti. And it's $45. Well, all of a sudden, Orca comes out with a competing cup that's like $10 less, but it just doesn't work quite as well. Like instead of keeping your drink cool 50 hours, it only keeps it cool like 48 hours. But then Ozark Trails comes out with this cutting edge technology. It actually keeps your drink cooler longer than the Yeti, longer than the Orca. Walmart sells it and it's only $10. I'm all about some Walmart. And so I'm having, we're like, I'm in the ocean floating. You know, my, my daughter's like, dad, buy me a Yeti. I'm like, I'm not buying you a Yeti. Like, get a cup from Walmart. I got a box of 12, put some ice in it. And so I'm like, hey, I'll get you an Ozark toy. I don't want an Ozark. Like, I'm too good for an Ozark everybody's about labels. Everybody's about their side. Everybody's about their opinion. And I want you to know something. It's not about labels in the church of Jesus. It's about our labor. It's not about us picking sides and us picking what we want to do. Because here's what you need to know, guys, is that there are times when we have our preferences and we pick our sides and we we choose what side we're going to be on and what denomination we're going to be. When we do that, the problem is, guys, is we take these little distractions, we take these little preferences and they become big distractions. We take these little things and instead of us being focused on kind of the kingdom, we're focused on our own little things and it causes division in the house and keeps us from doing what God has called us to do. And so Paul, he says, hey, wait a minute. Listen, listen, listen. I I get it. I get that you got preferences. I, I get that you like certain things. But he says, I want you to know something that we're called together to something so much larger. And he says this, go back to verse 10, watch this. He says, now I plead with you. Come on, y'all gotta read this. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there are no contentions among you. That's like impossible. That's like saying never disagree with your wife or never fight. Ne- like you should never have a disagreement in marriage. How many people know that's like, that's almost impossible. He's not really saying that there should never be any like, he's saying, like, that's not going to happen. But you shouldn't allow the contentions that happen in your personal preferences. He said you shouldn't allow those things to take over a church and ruin it from fulfilling the mission that God's given you. He's saying, but this is what's happened. You've allowed all of these divisions in. You've allowed all of these contentions in. He's saying you've allowed these petty conflicts, again, to keep you from fulfilling kingdom principles. You've allowed this stuff to happen. He's saying it just shouldn't be. So he says, I don't want you to have any division among you. But you know what? We are so divided. Can I just have everybody's attention? We're divided. We're divided by socioeconomic lines, rich people looking down at poor people. We're divided by class warfare right now in our nation. We're divided by race. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the most divided institution in the world every Sunday morning because we have white churches and black churches and Hispanic churches. I want you to know, those, though you'll never find those phrases in the New Testament, because there's not a black church, a white church, a red church, and a yellow church. There is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want you to know, guys, listen. Like, we get divided by political lines. We get divided by all this stuff. And Paul's saying, listen, come on, say it with me. There should be no divisions among you. And while that should be our goal, I just want you all to know that we're not really doing a very good job because we pick political sides and we make a big deal about it. And here's the thing, guys, is we just have to recognize that that just can't be our drive. That just can't be our focus. In fact, Galatians says this, watch this, Galatians makes it very clear that our identity is not in your color, it's not in your creed, it's not in your race, it's not in your bank account. Galatians says this, he says, listen, he says, There's, it's not about Jew or Gentile anymore. It's not about slave or free. It's not about male or female. He says, you are all one in Christ Jesus. Everybody shout one. We are one church underneath one Savior. And when you pick sides, you divide what Christ intended to be one. No divisions. No divisions. Like, the reason I think this message is so timely, let me just, let me just say these three words. Let me just drop this in church on Sunday morning. Black Lives Matter. I'm not asking you, I'm not... Because when I said those three words, everybody in this room had an opinion immediately forming their mind. If you're not black, you have no idea what it's like to be a black person in America. So don't pretend like you do. I have no idea what it's like to wake up. Blue lives matter. I I have no clue what it's like to strap on a Glock, get in a uniform, and drive a car around my community to try to protect and serve. I have no idea what that's like but everybody gets up on arms and everybody picks sides. And and hear me, there is a place in our culture, there is a place for policies, There, there is. There is a place in our community for politics. But in the church, in our hearts, in our minds, it's not about policies and it's not about politics, it's about a person. Because what brings us together Hear me, in a church where there's different colors of skin and where there's different sizes of bank accounts, where there's different viewpoints, where there's Republicans and Democrats and whites and blacks and males and females, and in a culture right now, whether you agree or disagree, people in between, what brings us all together as one is the covering of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And so Paul says this, it's, I, love, I love this line. I'm, I'm trying to like put my like, how Paul's saying, watch what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 3, he's kind of covering this, this whole conversation for two chapters, he says this, he says, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal, watch this, and behaving like mere men? You're making this a black thing? You're making this a white thing? Come on, y'all. You're making this a sex thing? You're making this a Republican? You're making this right here a Republican thing? A dimic- You're acting like mere men. Wait, aren't we mere men? No, 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 no. We have been called... By Christ to be in this world, but not of this world. Our priority is not who's in the White House, not who's in Congress. It's not Jesse Jackson. It's not Al Sharpton. It's not Donald Trump. The priority of the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ is Christ and the kingdom mission He's given us to impact and win this world. Here's the crazy thing: is like when we should be busy winning, winning, winning lost people. Like we busy ourselves trying to win arguments. Listen, if if you've never, like I have been in these meetings, some of you have been in these meetings, if you've never been in a church business meeting where somebody almost punched somebody, oh, you've missed the best of church. Some of you have been in where actually someone got punched. Isn't that ridiculous? It's crazy. It's so crazy. And we, li- we live in this world right now, guys, again, where we should be, we're should be winning lost people. Man, we're trying to win arguments. We should be fighting spiritual battles, but we're fighting worship wars. Oh, don't make me get here. Do you know the number one argument in most churches in America every Sunday morning? Should we have instruments or not? If we have instruments, how loud should they be? If once we determine how loud should they be, should we play hymns or contemporary music? Listen, I'm just telling you, if the fight we're fighting is over decibels and not over devils, we're going to lose the fight every time. Because that's not the fight we're called to fight. You're saying, Pastor, you're telling me I can't have preferences? Yes, you can have preferences. You can have a preference, whether you like hymns, whether you like lights, no lights, loud, quiet, bass, no bass. You can have preferences. You can have preferences whether you're going to vote in November, Democrat or Republican. You can have all the preferences you want. But here's what I want you to know today. We can never allow our preferences to become our priorities. We can never allow what we want. Well, I think we should do it this way. No, I like it this way. I think we should be this. I'm I'm from this church. I'm from this background. I I think we should read New King James. And we fight and we bicker And I'm just telling you, listen to me, those are all preferences. And while you can have preferences, our priority is to be influenced by the revelation of Christ and to go into this world and influence because of the revelation we have of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That is our call as Christ followers. And when we get baited in by this world on social media, in conversations about Trump and about Hillary and about all this stuff, Paul says, you're a bunch of mere men our calling is higher, and our voice should be that there is hope found in Christ. Because listen to me why the world touts diversity, what makes the church of the Lord Jesus Christ strong, is not our diversity, it is our unity that we are all again one in Christ. Well, yes. Just one. This is one of us. Like that's who we are. And, man, we're, we're pushing and we're demanding this world to be an answer. And I just want you to know, listen, we can't expect God to do something in the White House that we're not first going to do in his house. They can't fix what's broken with this world, but we have the hope of Christ. Am I preaching today? Like I've been at the beach and I come to get it on today. Because this is what God's called us to do. And, and it's crazy because, man, we, we just don't do this very well. And, and, and some of you have been can I just be real today? Some of you have been in the hallway and you've you've been the culprit Or you've walked by and you heard it Well, I don't know if I like these new seats I think they need to turn it down. We need to get some sunday school up in this church We need to be such and such and i'm, I'm from this church. I'm from this background You're not helping us You're not helping the cause you're hurting us and you're not hurting you. You're hurting every person that walks by you and hears your contentious quarreling. The beef between believers doesn't help us. It holds us back. And here's what Paul said. Watch this. Here's what Paul said to a young pastor. He said, keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It's of, come on, say it. It's of, and only ruins those who listen. People, when they, listen, I, When people walk in here, like people are walking in this place like dying, like looking for an answer, like because they figured they got politics and they got policies, and it's not, it's not fixed what's broken on the inside of us. It's not fixed the human condition. And so they wander to church because they've heard somewhere that maybe Jesus can make a difference. And they walk in and they hear people complaining because it's too cold in the worship center. It's not, it's too hot, it's too quiet, it's too loud, it's too, listen, you can have preferences, but we have priorities to worship the living God and lead a lost generation to the one who loves him, and that should be what we're called to do, and that should be the side that we pick. Here's what I tell married, married couples, and, and I don't do this always well myself, but Anytime you're in, in, when you're in a relationship, and this can be between friends, this can be, again, in, if you're in a dating relationship, but especially if you're married. If you pick sides in an argument, there's always ha- there always has to be a losing side. If there are two sides, someone loses. There should be never be losers in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ because there's not two sides. There's only one. It's only one side. It's only one side. And so he goes on, he says, listen, we should be perfectly joined together. So he says, don't let there be any contentions, but be perfectly joined together. Everybody say perfectly joined. Listen, don't make me make y'all stand up and hold hands and get perfectly joined. Come on, everybody, you ever been in church where the pastor makes you hold hands forever and you're not praying, all you're thinking is, when will this be over? But your eyes are closed, so you look spiritual, but you're thinking, I ain't even come back to this church. I don't know whose palm is more smutty. Theirs or mine. This is awful. Jesus rapture us now. Listen, don't make me make you hold hands. Everybody say perfectly joined. You can't be perfectly joined when you're on separate sides, when you're on different teams, when you're forcing your different backgrounds. We got to come together and find what is the unifying factor of what brings us all together, not just on Sunday mornings, but in life. And if you have conversations about politics, you're going to divide, and that's really okay you have conversations about policies, you're going to divide and that's okay. You have conversations about sex and race and money you're going to divide and that's okay. But when it comes to our highest call, when it comes to our priority of what makes our heartbeat in the morning, what drives us out of the bed, what causes us to live is not all of those things. Stop allowing those things to dominate your heart, your mind, your conversation and your social media. And let's allow the hope that we have together as one body, one church, the hope we have in Christ to drive the dialogue of this world. Stop getting baited into picking sides where people lose. And let's get baited into picking his side because Jesus didn't come to take sides. Jesus came to take over. Jesus came to make us all together one underneath the blood of Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. Watch this, being perfectly joined... He says this, he has this first question. This is a rhetorical question. I want everybody to shout these three words. Is Christ divided? Now I want you to just picture in your mind a divided Christ. Gets bloody quick, don't it? Like Saul part six. Jason meets Jesus. Like this is the picture he's trying to stir up. Like, wait, that's creepy. Is Christ divided? No, Christ, he's like the person of G, like his arms and his legs and his feet, like the thigh bones connected to the knee, right? He's like, no, Jesus is one person. He says, yeah, in the same way Jesus is one body, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are one body. And the picture of us divided should sicken us. The same way a mental picture of Christ divided should sicken us. Is Christ divided? Absolutely not. There's a prayer that Jewish people pray. They prayed it every morning, every evening while the temple was in existence. Orthodox Jews still pray it today. It's called the Shema. The Shema is Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. It says this, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Everybody shout one. 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 The word one is the Hebrew word. I know you don't care, but it's important. It's the word akkad. And what it means is unity and plurality. It's a beautiful picture of in the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's perfect unity. Three persons, one Godhead, perfect unity, working together, fulfilling the will of the Godhead, perfect unity. It's the same word to use. It's the same word to use in Genesis, where God makes marriage a reality, and He brings together the first man, Adam, the first woman, Eve, and He says, "Listen." He says, "He said a man is going to leave his father's house and cleave together to his wife." He says, "The two are going to become one flesh." Everybody shout, one. "One!" Two individuals, two backgrounds, two perspectives, two ways of thinking. There's a woman involved, which just makes it kind of crazy, but they come together, and everybody shout one. One. They're one. And the same one that the Godhead is between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the same one that happens in a marriage between a husband and wife, is the same one that should exist in churches. But the reason it don't exist, the reason we bicker, the reason we fight, the reason some of you gave up on church, reason some of you are watching online and you won't come into a building is because of quarreling and beef between believers and division in the house of God. It's like, if that's it, like, I can get that drama in junior high. Like, I can get that drama with my friends. Like, I want to find a place, like, where we're focused. And it's not about our preferences. We can never allow our preferences to be more important than our priorities. And so then, then Paul says this. I want you to go all the way back to verse 10. Watch this. I, I love, he says, I want you to speak the same thing. Everybody say, speak the same thing. He says, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. This is so cool because he's saying, imagine what would happen. This isn't the first time this was ever said. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 11, verse six, right, right? Um, the, you, can, you can read, it's kind of a crazy story, but humanity gets together. There's only one language on planet earth and, they're all, and they all get together and they decide to build a tower to the heavens. It's called the Tower of Babel and like they're working together like in, 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 in synchronicity and synergy and like oneness they're, and they're, man, this tower is getting bigger and bigger and the Bible says God looks down at this tower that's raising to heaven and he says this in Genesis chapter 11, verse six. Watch this. Everyone here, read this. He says, Look, he said, the people are. Y'all better shout this. The people are. And they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Like, listen to what God said. God said, if, If you can find a group of people who are unified. And who speak the same thing. Like they're not picking sides of denomination, they're not picking sides of worship wars, they're not picking sides of politics. God says, if you can find a group of people who are unified and speak the same thing, nothing, nothing will be impossible for them. You know, I love. I, I love the privilege that I have to be your pastor. I love the privilege God's given me to speak into your life every Sunday. I love it. I love that God's grown this church and we've grown and we've grown and we've grown and and, and tens and hundreds of people we've grown. And it's been great. And I love every week that hundreds of people wander in this place and worship together and we get in the word together. I love it. But I want you to know that that's not what drives me. People coming here is not what drives me. Jesus, Jesus said this, Jesus said that I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell can't stop it. The gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. And what he's saying is no matter how hard the devil fights, he's not going to be able to stop my church from advancing on planet earth and spreading hope and love to a lost and broken people. He said, it doesn't matter what the devil does. Nothing he can do to stop it. But I want you to know, there is one thing that can stop it. Not the devil, but church people. The church people can keep the church from being the church. Because Jesus said a house divided against itself, a house full of schisms and label makers and preference choosers, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so, like... When I think of what Jesus said, gates of hell won't prevail. Like, again, what gets me cranked is not people coming here. It's what would this church be like? I want you all just to dream with me for a minute. If we, could, if we quit picking sides and got on the same team, if we got together, if we all pulled in the same direction, like I'm not pulling for money here, but just dream with What if everybody here was a real tither? What if we all, like we're all in? What if we all said, I'm going to finance the mission? What if everybody said, I'm going to get on a team? Like, where can I serve? Where can I make a difference? Where can I, I'm busy, but where can I donate some time? What if everybody in this church, if we all pulled together in the same direction with the strength and power of the Holy Spirit to make a real difference? What if it wasn't people coming here? What if we went into this world with one voice to make a difference? See, that's what keeps me up at night. That's what, That's kind of the stuff that invades my prayers. That's the stuff that gets me, David, is not what's it look like for 2,000 people to come into a building. What's it look like for 2,000 unified people with one voice covered by the love of Jesus that's not driven by a politic, not driven by a policy, not driven by a color, not driven by a sex, but driven by the love of Jesus. What would it look like if we walked into our workplaces, if we walked into our world with one voice of the love of Jesus Christ Whew. like whoa, whoa that'll preach but like we're so busy fighting and we're so busy picking sides and we're so busy arguing about things that, that it's not totally unimportant but it's unimportant in the scope of the real thing that should be our priority and so you watch the movie civil war and there's this crazy scene like between Bucky Barnes. Bucky Barnes is the winter soldier. Childhood friend of Steve Rogers, Captain America. And these two guys, man, are laying into Iron Man. And it's kind of crazy because I'm torn. If you've never seen the movie, like, like I love the action. I love the fight scene. But you see, some of y'all think I'm corny, but like I'm like grieving. I'm like, Captain America's beating up Iron Man. Like something's wrong. Like it's, make it stop. And we wander in churches and we hear bickering and quarreling. And Paul said, it doesn't help anybody. It only hurts those who listen. People are picking sides and choosing preferences and picking what side of the aisle they're gonna be on. Heard somebody say it this way, whether you're right wing or left wing, the bird is broken. Both sides are broken. And I just, I just want to challenge us. Like, let's just fight together. After we finish this series, we're we're going to do a series called the Core. We're going to talk about our core values. Our core values here at Faith Church: reach, connect, grow, and serve. Reach, connect, grow, and serve. Reach, connect, grow, and serve. We want to reach people who are far from Jesus. We want to grow in our faith. We want to serve because that's what Jesus came. Jesus said, "I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life a ransom for me." I want us to serve together, and I want us to connect. And I think if we can just start speaking the same language If you're a member here, that should be our language Not I don't like this. I don't like that. I wish it would change that but i'm here to reach connect grow and serve I'm here to reach connect grow and serve. I'm here to reach connect grow and serve And if we all get unified and we all start speaking the same thing nothing will be impossible for faith church so I just want to give you about 30 seconds to dream if you don't have a dream, I'm going to pray that God will give you an imagination for a church that's unified. You're like, I've never even thought about that. I don't really care. Like I like the songs. That's why I come here. I like Pastor Steve. He's kind of funny sometimes. That's why I come here. Like, I want you to have like a vision and a passion burning in your heart. What would it look like to be a part of a church that can make a real difference in our community? Whew. So I want y'all to pray with me, will you? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, today that we would not be a church that's ever divided by personal preference. But I pray in Jesus' name that we would be a church driven by the priority to make you known to this world. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, God, right now, as every person, just with their head bowed, with their eye closed, I pray, God, just give them a picture of what it could be like if we all pulled together. I pray, God, put a burning passion in the hearts of this house of what we could accomplish if we all spoke the same thing, if we all got on the same page. I pray in Jesus' name. Father, for us, God, we're not even thinking that way. God, give us that vision. Give us that passion. And Lord, I pray for this house, that this would be a house that's unified, that this would be a house full of peace. This would be a house where we're on the same team, pulling in the same direction, pulling for the same Christ. And I pray, Father, that through your help, for there to be no division, no separations in this house. I pray in Jesus' name. Father, nothing would be impossible for us. I want you just to whisper that. Nothing will be impossible for us. Nothing will be impossible for us. Nothing will be impossible for us. Father, I thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus.